Good morning, everybody. Wow, it's so good to see you guys, and thank you so much for coming and joining us. Uh, the last three weeks, two weeks, so we've been talking about grace is greater. So the reason we decided to do this is because grace is one of those things that in church we cannot miss it. If you're coming to church and you haven't yet experienced God's grace, so we need to talk to you, we need to encourage you, because there's something beautiful about being a Christian, because our salvation, everything, our core of what we believe, it's based upon grace. You know, we talk about in the first week, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know, anything that I talk about, it's something that I experienced in the past. You know, it's the idea of maybe God cannot forget. I did this thing in the past, the big mistake I did, all those things, you can list it, is grace greater than that? Yes, it is. Grace is greater than our mistakes and the things that we did in our past is greater than sin. So then we talk a little bit about it because it's so easy to accept the idea of grace in our own lives. But what about giving away grace? Because grace is a journey that we have to go both ways. You receive grace, but also you give grace. And we encourage a little bit and talking about that giving grace is not more than you already received through Jesus Christ. So that's a little bit of what we talk about. And this week, we're talking about our weakness. Is grace greater than our weakness? And we're going to have a conversation on this. Because I was thinking about this. I was thinking about my own life and the times that I question about who I am and, and the times that I feel my circumstances were not that great and realizing that grace is greater. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says this, Look after each other so that no, none of you, no one, none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And that's the challenge for us, that we come here, that none of us will miss that, will miss the grace of God. You can miss a lot of things, but that is one thing that we want to make sure that you come here understanding what God, God's grace for you. Okay? So that's the goal of the series. So we're focused a little bit on that different equation, the equation of is grace greater than weakness? Um, there is, I don't know if you watch some of those shows, but uh, there's one show that me and my family, or me and my wife, we watch, and it's called The Shark Tank. Um, a little bit how I am, my brain works, so it fits perfect, because I watch that show. It's a show about, there's four or five guys, they, they're billionaires, you know, and they sit around and people come with their ideas that is going to be the next million dollar idea. And I always feel like I watch that show, and then someone brings the idea. I was like, man, I, I should have thought about that. You know, so anyways, watching that show, one of the guys comes in, and then he brings this idea. It's called the skinny mirror. I don't know if you watch that, but you have to go back and watch. So the skinny mirror. So what that is is someone came up with this idea that it's a mirror that has curves. So then when you stand in front of that mirror... It's going to give you an optical illusion that you look great. So you're going to look fit. If it's a guy, for some reason, it lifts you up. It makes you skinner and stronger on the upper body. So it makes you look taller. So they do that, and then they, they're talking about this skinny mirror, and then they're like, hey, we're going to do this. And then someone actually is like, yeah, I'll give you a million dollars for that. 
and they invested on this company. And the funny thing is you're watching the show, and then and they're talking about where that skinny mirror is going to go. And they saw, oh, we're going to put it on gyms. We're going to put it in the stores where you buy clothes. And then they talk about the philosophy behind it. It was like, we want people to look in the mirror and buy the clothes, even if it looks bad. <laughs> so, and they're talking on TV, and I'm like, man, this is going to be interesting next time I go get something. You know, because, and one of the things they forget about it is because right on the bottom corner of the mirror says a skinny mirror, skinny mirror. So if you see that, you might want to check, get the clothes and check at home because it might not be that great, you know, just saying. But I was thinking about that. I was like, man, I would like to be the, the I don't know, I saw that. I was like, well, I didn't think about that. You know, maybe come up with something like the skinny bowl, bowl of food, right, where it gives this optical illusion that whatever you put on a bowl of ice cream it's going to be looking less than the pile of ice cream that I put it on. I don't know, something like that. Or the skinny glasses that you look on things, everything in a good perspective. So I was just thinking about that. So one of the things that I find fascinating about ideas, and, and I like to research those, those things because it tells you something. They're thinking something about you and me. There's something about you and me. They spend millions and millions of dollars of companies. They do that. Coca-Cola do that. They all do that. And they research something. What is how you think? What's important to you? And the idea of the skinny mirror, is, it's a great idea because investors, they realize that you much rather live in denial of our reality, of who we are, about our weakness, than knowing the truth. So they understand that. They understand that we much rather live a lie than realize and being faced with our weakness, faced with the reality around us. So in a way, denying weakness, it becomes very lucrative for a lot of companies. So, but we all experience moments where we are confronted uh, with our weakness. And one thing, we're going to take a little a different direction today is that you much rather face the reality of your weakness and then you can embrace the weakness of your weakness. That way, it opens the space for God's grace. And that's the challenge that I have for us as we go through this. But we all experience that. We don't like, you know, we live in a society that emphasizes uh, strength, power. You know, I, I remember um, a few years ago, I was having some pain on my both elbows, uh, my actually uh, biceps. Both biceps was hurting, and I had no idea what happened. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor started to talk to me. He was like, do you, what did you do? Were you lifting? I was like, no, I'm kind of a lazy person. I don't do stuff like that. So it was like, were you playing tennis? I was like, no, I was not doing golfing. No, none of that. So I could, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with my both biceps, but I, just the weight of my arms was very painful. And he says, well, I have one more question. Were you arm wrestling? And then I'm like, arm wrestling? And then I started thinking about uh, a month before that, I was in a camp with a bunch of junior hires. And there's, if you know a little bit about junior high boys and high school boys, they always want to challenge the biggest in the room or, you know, the oldest in the room because it's some reason show about who they are, right? So I was 
arm wrestling with a bunch of middle schoolers. And somehow later on, I was having bicep problems. So then I felt a little bit embarrassed sharing that with the doctor because he, he asked, were you arm wrestling? Yes, I was. Um, with, the guy must be very strong. I was like, well, they're all 12, 13-year-olds. <laughs> but you have to see those kids. They're huge. But we don't want to talk about it because we live in this culture where strength condemns, in a way, weakness. When we talk about our weakness, when we, we talk about uh, some things that you are not good at it, or even about your circumstances, it's not very well accepted. You know, we, they haven't yet created a social media, Facebook or Instagram, where it glorifies weakness. What you're going to see there is perfection. They portrait everything that's perfect, which is a lie because they're denying a lot of the weakness, even in social media. It's an extremely hard concept to grasp. Very countercultural, in a way. It's not natural. It's not normal. It's not what we do. We don't go around telling people how we are weak. That's not what we do. Right? Now, we should celebrate weakness. And I know it's kind of different that you're going to be hearing today. And here's why. The reason we should celebrate our weakness is because it opens a huge space for the power of God to come through His grace in us. He allows God to be at work when we open space for His glory, for His grace. But it has to be through the weakness. It has to be through the weakness. And this is an area where it's extremely, and this is confession time, this is really hard for me. Um, sometimes I feel like, hey, God, I pray, and I say, God, help me with my insecurities. You know, I'm a very insecure guy. There's a lot of things that I do well. There's a lot of things I don't do very well. And I go, and I just doubt myself. And I said, well, this is an area that I cannot do it. And I have to be vulnerable to God because that's the reality. Uh, there's other things, you know, that I have such a hard time. You know, I have panic attack. You know, when I go in airplanes... I don't know what it is. You might call me weak because that I will accept at this point. But for some reason, when I get an airplane and it happens after, you know, I remember going in planes and I had a, such a great time. And now when I turn 35, around 35, I will get into the plane. I was like, what's going on? You know, you feel, you know, in caps and then you can't move anywhere. And, and then that hits, you know, oh, you're a fearful person. I'm like, it's something I have to deal with God. Um, the fact, you know, English is still a challenge for me. And I'm not saying any of this for you to have pity on me, okay? Not that at all. But it's a challenge for me. I have to work extra hard for that. You know, I want to remember books. I have people around me that I envy. They read books and they can quote it. They read the Bible and they can just say the verse. And I envy that. I just go, it's like, I wish I could do that. Especially for my job where I have to read constant and I have to read the Bible, and I can't remember the verses that I read. You know, my wife is great at that, and I'm not good at it. And that's an area I have to give it to God. And I remember even with English, when I first came here, my wife is amazing about that. I would, call, I would talk in youth group, and she'd be sitting up front. We did that on purpose. She always sit on the first chair, because if I say something that... Um, People didn't understand it. And the way I see it, uh, people are very gracious about it. 
But my wife, she has body language, and usually she goes like this. <laughs> you know, and that shows me either I said something wrong or I have to explain a little bit better. But I remember one time I was sitting and I was talking about that I was using the verse that talks about our God is our advocate. Now, Jesus is our advocate before God. And I used the word, I was like, hey, you know, God, kids, you have to trust Jesus because he is our avocado. <laughs> you know? And, you know, things like that. So it's, at first, it's like it's not fun at all when we have words like that or you want to challenge the kids and say, we're going to do something exciting today. You know, I'm going to be um, a little bit more challenging in what I'm going to say. I'm going to be a little bit risque, you know. And everybody's looking like, what? You're going to be risque? Risky, Jazzer, come on. But it's a challenge, right? But I'm talking to you too because you might be thinking whatever it is that is, it's your weakness. Now we laugh about it. There's a lot of things that we have a sense of humor about how I do it. But there's still a lot there and I have to remember to give it to God. And maybe you're here today and thinking about your weakness. Whatever it is that you have. Whatever it is that you're hiding that you feel like I can't come up. People cannot know those things. And I want to challenge you to understand that. Grace is greater than your weakness. And again, it opens a huge space that God can work in your life. So we're going to look into a passage. It's in 2 Corinthians. And this is Paul encouraging the church to celebrate their weakness. And, 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 and what do we know about this, this, this place in Corinth? right? So it's a place that uh, would be very similar to to what we experience in some big cities here in this country. It's a place where it's very rich, uh, very wealthy. You know, they have those columns. Do you know those columns? Even today, in some places, they have those Corinth columns, right? And it shows wealth. It shows beauty, architecture. It's beautiful. It's a place where they value status. It's a place where there's philosophy. It's a place where people, all those teachers, they're boasting about their accomplishments, their wisdom, their earthly wisdom. So we can identify with that. So what was happening in the church, happening in the church Paul left that church for a while, and there's these false teachers that are coming in, and they're teaching that you should celebrate your accomplishment. They bring their cards, right? You're intelligent. You have doctor degrees. You know, you're good in philosophy. You speak like four or five languages. They're putting so much emphasis on their accomplishment, their riches. And all of a sudden, the whole grace idea, the reason why we get together and celebrating Jesus was kind of uh, getting away from them. So then Paul, he comes in and he starts talking to them. But it's very interesting because it's a challenge for us as well. Because in the same way like Corinth, we like to celebrate. We're in a society that we don't like to talk about those weakness. And we celebrate, even in churches, we celebrate a lot of our accomplishments. It's very easy to talk about the things we know and the things that we value. You know, I find that very interesting that a lot of times when we greet one another, you know, for the first time, we always say this, right? We say, hi, hi my name is Jezer. What's your name? Oh, my name is Joseph. And what do you do? 
You know, we want to know the first thing what the person, I, sometimes we're not thinking about it, right? But we value their position. And in the same way, this church, they're valuing so much their accomplishments. And Paul was devastated about that. Paul realizes that they're relying on their self-reliance, their accomplishments. They're valuing so much of that. And he realizes that in our weakness, we open this huge space for God's grace. And he was not very happy about it. And for us, there is no reason to hide our weakness. Because that's when God is most active, when we are weak. Now, you have to remember that Paul has this impressive resume. Now, he, he could be talking about his human wisdom, you know. But he talks about those things. But you have to realize that he was a man with a lot of accomplishments. But if he's talking to the people about his weakness first... They're not going to listen to him, especially because they value a lot of the human efforts. So he starts talking to them about it, his accomplishments. Then he talks about the importance of valuing the weakness. Because it's kind of like the idea if he was a guy who is not very well accomplished to people who value accomplishments. And if he start talking about how weak he was right from the get-go, they will, they will not listen to him. So he feels the need to talk to them about first, about his accomplishment. It's kind of interesting because you're not going to see much of that in Paul. But in this passage, he will. So 2 Corinthians 11, verse 21 to 23, he says this. We're getting a second part of the verse. Whatever anyone else dares to boast. Now he's referring to the false teachers, okay? I'm speaking as a fool. In a way, he's saying, I can't believe I'm about to do this. I don't want to do this, but I have to. I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about it. And then he goes through a list of accomplishments. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are there servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. So this is unlike Paul. He doesn't like to boast about himself. In fact, typically he boasts about the fact that he's a servant of God. Servant of Jesus. A slave. Someone who relies totally on Jesus. He lowers himself constant to elevate Jesus. Paul is saying here, I'm out of my mind to talk about this. I cannot believe I'm talking about my accomplishments to you. But I'm trying to make a point, a very important point to you. And then he continues. In chapter 12, verse 1 to 5, he talks about this. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up on a third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding 
that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting. According to your standards, it, right, I should be boasting, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Now, it took 14 years, 14 years in Paul's ministry for us to hear about this experience on third heaven. Now, we were talking about third heaven, right? So be sky, you know, so be space, and then paradise. That's what he's talking about. Now, I don't know about you, but Paul is talking about for the first time he feels the need because these people are falling, all those false leaders that are well-accomplished men who are boasting about their accomplishment, boasting about their strength. But then he starts talking about it. He's like, I'm going to just say something to you that's going to blow your mind. I was one day in heaven, and it's been 14 years that I haven't talked about this. But I am talking to you to show you that I take this as nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but if I am, if I had an experience where I was taken to heaven and I'll come back here and I'll be sharing with you, I would not be quiet. The very next week I had that experience, I'll be talking all about my experience in paradise, everything. I'll write books about it, why I was there and you're not. It will be the title. Why God chose me, humble man here, and not you. It's a problem. That's why that's never going to happen to me. Right? So we, isn't that funny that sometimes we have, and I think about Paul, and sometimes we have the, uh, when we share a story, someone come to you and say, hey, you know, I fell today in my deck and I hurt myself. And then you feel so tempted to say like, ooh, I have a lot of falling on deck stories. I'm going to top up your story. Uh, Do you know that one day I was in heaven? I mean, that literally any story you want to share, you can talk to to me about going to the moon. And I'll say, yeah, you were on the second heaven. I was in the third. I mean, any, any story you want to share, I can top up. But that's not Paul. He's sharing this story because he feels obligated to, to make a point. He won't talk about himself. Paul often introduced him as the servant. All he wants to people to know is that Jesus is the reason of the power that comes through him. Nothing else matters. But we acknowledge that, you know, he, Paul acknowledged that he does have this impressive resume, very well educated. He got the right credentials. But he puts that aside because he realized that the weakness, it's the most important thing. Talking about the weakness to make it God strong through you. And then he's going to talk about the thorn on the flesh. Verse 5 to eight. I will boast only about my weakness. Don't miss this. I will boast only about my weakness. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool of doing so because I would be telling the truth. He's not telling any lie. 
We have to work on that. And our kids at home, they say, well, I am very good at this. I'm the best writer in the house. And I tell why are you saying that? It's true, Dad. It's true. My son one day came and said, I am the fastest in our house. And I can ride on my bike and beat everybody in the neighborhood. I'm like, that's not the right answer. It's true, Dad. And I can even beat you. Oh, all right, son. Not only on my bicycle, but he said he could beat me on my motorcycle. So I got my bike from the garage, and I put it out, and we were going to go for a race. So, I don't know, neighbors looking around think it's kind of weird, a guy on the motorcycle and a kid on the bike. Yeah, I'll take this, son. Woo-hoo! You know. But he needed a little bit of that. But that's what Paul is talking about. He was like, you know, I could boast about those things, but I won't do it. And here he continues the verse. He says, but I won't do it because I don't want anybody to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Why? Because if you look through the scriptures, his message is not about him. It's always about Jesus. I was about Jesus. Even though I have received such a wonderful revelation, talking about third heaven and paradise, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was giving a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take away. Three different times he begged to take away. It's very interesting. Paul talks about this thorn in the flesh. It's some kind of weakness. There's a lot of theories out there about what may be, what could be. Some people say it was because his appearance, you know, he's been stoned so many times. And he talks about that, that sometimes his appearance keep people from hearing. It could be the fact that he can't see. You know, oftentimes you're going to see that he is not writing. And and when he's writing later on in his life, he says, I write it to you in big letters. Right? Maybe. But we don't know. And I love that about Paul. Why? Because if he tells what that thorn is, there's two things that will happen. Either people are going to try to rationalize that and just say, hey, you know what? You should do this. You should do that. Or he wants us to live kind of hanging that way we can identify with that and says, in a way, what's your thorn on the flesh? Even that, he lives us hanging. But the point is, he begged God to take away. He realizes that this is something huge. And he's in his knees begging that God will take away. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're in a circumstances where you've been begged God, begged Jesus to take it away. Maybe it's a personal weakness you're born with. That is something that you pray and you pray and you pray. And for some reason, God is not taken away. Maybe a sickness, inability to cope with certain things. And God hasn't taken away. And Paul calls a message from Satan. He also acknowledged that God can take it away if he wants to. It's from Satan, but God allows us. There's something to be said about this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
I think it is a healthy view, healthy view for us when we experience storms in life or difficulties in life, that God can remove it, but He won't do it. He has the power to it. Satan has absolutely no power over us. He has the power, but for some reason, a lot of times, he allows it. If you disagree with me, read Job. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. It's a healthy view when we see God at work and he allows even Satan to work in our lives. Does that make him a mean God? No. He has a purpose. And why sometimes he does not, res- he does not remove from us. And he answers Paul. And this is what Paul says in, the chapter, in verse 9. Each time, each time he said, don't miss this. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. In weakness. Again, this is the idea. When we are weak, when we realize, when we are faced with the reality that we have struggles. We all do. It's a falling world. When we realize, when we come before God and we say, God, and you become vulnerable. And say, God, there is something in my life I don't do very well. I'm falling short. You know what it happens? It opens space for His grace. And we experience the power through His grace. And that's wonderful. When we are weak, He's strong. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. Isn't that counterintuitive? He takes pleasure on his weakness. He doesn't see as a problem anymore. Any insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. He's talking about not only his weakness... Not only his thorn on the flesh, but he's talking about his circumstances. I can do all things, right? I saw a guy once in the gym, and then he had a tattoo. and says, I can do all things. I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, I ask him, so what is the, what he means? He's like, oh, man, I can do all things. I can be strong. And I was like, what about when you're weak? Oh, I'm not weak. But that's what this verse is talking about. I can do all things when Christ strengthens me when I'm weak. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So he used to beg for the weakness to go away. He doesn't do anymore. Because he started to experience when he's weak, God is strong. And it's interesting to see that God used Satan to humble Paul. And this is the idea, because a lot of times we're so far from God because we think we can do it. We started to feel like our credibility is on us and our accomplishments, and that's, it's not pleasing to God. And that's the way when we have troubles in our lives, when we acknowledge it, when we become vulnerable, we understand that God can do it and God will use us 
when we have that attitude. We see that in Paul. We also see that in Peter. Remember when Peter was doing this? I will go where you go. <laughs> right? And then what Jesus told Peter, I'll sift you. I'm going to let Satan sift you. I'm going to let Satan work in your life. That way you're not that proud. I'll go where you go. But then later on you see that he denied Christ three times. And then he becomes vulnerable. He comes before God and he cries, Oh God, what I did. I can't believe I did this. And that was the best position, place to be. Remember when Paul says that I begged? I begged God. There's something about being on our knees and begging God and surrendering to God. And we experience this power that comes through His grace. And maybe that's you. Maybe you feel you could be more effective in your life if God would take certain certain things in your life, your infirmity, your inability to cope in certain areas, the insecurity that you have. Maybe if you were more confident, God will use you more. Maybe, maybe. And you've been praying for this thorn to go away. But you see, when we come before God vulnerable, His power works through us. When we fall into our knees, when Paul fall into his knees and he becomes vulnerable to God, declaring total dependence, it's the idea, God, I cannot do it, but you can do it through me. It's being humble. That's authentic faith. That's really what faith is. When things are not doing so well, when you look in your life and there are certain things that you don't do very well. It's when God shows his power. You know, a while ago I, I experienced a little bit of that. And there's an interesting thing when we experience crisis, how God works in our lives. Uh, my son, one day he wake up in the morning and he says, Dad, I just can't walk. I can't walk. What do you mean you can't walk? Did you hit something? Did you do that? You know, you're trying to talk. And he was six, uh, five years old. What do you mean you cannot walk? It's like, can't walk. Can't walk. And, and then I did what everybody should do, okay? You go on the internet. You go on the internet to find my kids complain about he can't walk. Oh, he got a spinal issue. Something went on. His disease went to his spine. And he's going to be, won't walk ever again. You know? And then you start to, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And I remember just going on my knees and said, God, heal this boy. I don't know what's going on. It would be a nightmare. I can't imagine. But, hey, it is your will. And it was tough. I'll, I'll say this. Because there's something that happened to you or your spouse, but something when it happens to your kid. He just couldn't walk. So we have to carry him around. We called the doctor. And the doctor looked at him and said, I don't know what that is. I have to go make some calls to Salt Lake to figure out what's going on. And I remember being in the room, and he's exhausted. I'm a, he was in a wheelchair. And he couldn't walk. And I'm reading and I'm freaking out. And the more time spent on that, and I was feeling like, God, please, I beg you. I'll do everything. I was so close to God that I could feel him. But I have to be in that situation. 
Because on that weak moment, I, it, it, I realized that I need more than anything of his grace. And I was vulnerable. It's a painful place to be. And then realized later on that it was simple, a cold that infected, affected his calves. So he couldn't walk because there's inflammation on his calves. And that's number one thing that they say is like, I can't walk. If it happened that to you, I'm saving you some money. It's going to be okay. He ended up being all right. But it was really hard. It's so hard to realize and give space to God's grace and say, I'm weak. It's so hard. We want to impress people. We don't want to tell people that we are weak. Facebook is not full of people that are boasting about their weakness. We're insecure people. And God used those people. If you look through the Bible, all the narratives about people that are used the most, you see Moses who says, I cannot even talk. And if you look through the Bible, he was the guy who talked the most through God. And then you have um, other insecure people like David, right? So you have David that even his family did not believe in him. Oh, yeah, he, do we have more kids in your family that we want to see to be the next king? Nah. Oh, yeah, there is a kid, you know, with a shepherd, uh, a shepherd kid with, you know, even his family. So we're talking about God using constant underdogs. He is a God of underdogs. Embrace weakness and see the power. See the grace in that space that creates. I love in Acts chapter 4. Verse 13, this is one of the verses that I go when I feel insecure. And I'll end with this. When they, it's talking about the religious people, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that this man had been with Jesus. They were astonished. They were astonished. Not because they were men of accomplishments. They realized that they were weak. But there's something different about them. It was the grace of God through them giving them power. Realizing that they're nothing without God. This is the Peter who was hitting on his chest and said, I can do it. I can do it. And he had to go through weakness, realizing that he's not that great. That way, he was in a position that can be used by God. Not because his strength, but because God's power. Accept your weakness. Be vulnerable to God. And see his sufficient grace Making you strong. It's all about trusting him. Whatever it is that you're facing. That may God give you the grace. That you can face the reality of your weakness. And that may open space for his power to work through you. Through you. Grace is greater than sin. Grace is greater than inability. Grace is greater than your circumstances. 
Grace is greater than your weakness. Isn't grace just greater? Isn't it? Let's trust in his grace. That may God will use us in such a wonderful way. Let me pray for you. Father, we, we come before you vulnerable. I know that we experience pain in this world, falling world. And in all the weakness, we would like to confess before you that we are not perfect. But you create us the way we are. You did not make a mistake. And for that reason, help us to embrace this weakness that we experience your power through your beautiful grace. Fill our tanks. If there will be people here today that may be feeling that their sin is too great or their circumstances is too great, I pray that you help us to understand that your grace is greater. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.